Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Thanks everyone for continuing with us here at First Alliance. My name is Tim Sridharan, and thank you to Bram and Anne. Thank you so much for the reading of scripture, but thank you so much more for your vulnerability and honest sharing. Before we continue this morning, let me just open us in a word of prayer. Father, we stand before you and we thank you. As we begin Advent, this is an Advent like no other, and a lot of the joy has been stripped away. This may be one of the most difficult Advents for many, and as we move towards Christmas, yet Holy Spirit, come. Open our eyes to what your word says. Show us the hope of the gospel, the light in the darkness that Jesus Christ is, was, is, and is forevermore. So Holy Spirit, may my words glorify and honor you. And may you call us as a community into deeper faithfulness and obedience to your call on our life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Isaiah 9 is this amazing passage, one full of uh, talking about peace and justice and righteousness, talking about hope and light. Yet if you ask me, these days, if I'm honest, I feel more darkness than light. A pandemic that we thought would be over maybe in the summer or even the fall keeps dragging out. And here we are at the beginning of Advent season, looking forward to Christmas, starting a 28-day lockdown here in Toronto. Advent is this kind of season of joy and celebration, and we can't even gather as a community, but praise be to God, we can gather online. Yet still, that's hard, and that's difficult. I know for me and my wife, we love, we both come from big families, and part of the joy of Christmas is celebrating within our church family and with our extended family as well, going to parties here and there, just enjoying each other's company. I mean, it's good at least that our kids probably won't be strung out because they've missed nap after nap and we won't have to have three days of recovery after Christmas because of colds or whatever they catch. Yet it's still kind of a sad time and it seems like a very odd and surreal season that we're moving to, especially for many of us who won't be able to celebrate with any other family this coming Christmas. Now, if I'm honest, I think my heart breaks most for those who have lost loved ones. And here at first, we've had a several people who have passed away in the recent months. And so many people who've either lost their jobs, uh, family trauma, who've lost loved ones, have to go through this Christmas separate from others, their church family, their extended family, and they have to grieve and suffer alone. To be honest, I think it's hard to see the light in the midst of this darkness, even in this Advent season. So I'm so, so thankful that during this season we get to dive into the book of Isaiah. And as we go to scripture today, as we spend time in God's word, I think we will see how that in the darkest of times, the light of Christ shines the brightest. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 9. I'll be spending time in Isaiah 7, 8, and 9 as we kind of unpack what's going on here. You see, In Isaiah chapter 7, you have kind of the Israelite kingdom. Well, before that, you have David and Solomon, the great kings of Israel, a unified kingdom of the 12 tribes, Israel at their peak, a strong, powerful nation respected by others. 
But after Solomon, the kingdom splits in two. The northern tribes form what is called Israel or Ephraim. The southern tribes form Judah, and they're constantly at war with one another. In Isaiah chapter 7, you have King Ahaz of the southern tribe of Judah. This is a lineage of David, of King David, all the way through to the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, the remnant of Israel. And you have King Ahaz realizing that he is about to get destroyed. You see, from Damascus, King Rezin and King Pekah of Israel, the northern tribes have formed an alliance to come and attack him. Yet God sends Isaiah and his son to give them the word that says, do not fear, for they will be stopped. Yet how they will be stopped is terrifying in itself. For you see, God will use Assyria, this mighty kingdom from the east, to come in and crush the northern tribe of Israel. Within not, not too long hereafter, Israel, the northern tribes, will be dragged into exile to Nineveh. And, they'll, and just a few kings later under King Hezekiah, that Assyria will press the southern kingdom of Judah right to the brink of extinction. Except for a miracle of God, they only escape. And you might be saying, yes, here, here's the light shining in the darkness. Israel is saved. But after King Hezekiah, it only takes a few more kings for Israel to get to a spot where the Babylonians arrive from the east, destroy Jerusalem, and drag the people of Judah away to exile. Where is the light in the darkness? Yeah, Israel will come back from their exile. They'll rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, but they'll always live under a foreign power, whether the Persians, the Greeks, or the Romans. They'll never return to the glory that was King David or King Solomon. When Isaiah spoke those words in chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That prophecy, those words from God, are fulfilled 750 years later. Now, if the people of the time knew that was the case, do you think that would have been hope for them? Like, imagine someone right now coming to you and saying, you know what, I just want to give you a word of comfort. In 750 years, COVID-19 will be over. Would you find that comforting at all? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. I'm thinking to myself, what will even be here in 750 years? Who knows? Like, probably the plastic material in my house and some remnant of the Canadian national debt. There's, there's nothing comforting about thinking 750 years later, the problem will be solved. You see, these are dark days for Israel. Days of uncertainty, days of fury, fear and worry and anxiety. And if we look at the end of chapter 8, look what this darkness does to the souls of the people. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21 and 22, the word of God reads, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. And then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Darkness does so many things. It changes our perspective, it turns us inward, and it leads us to despair. You know, in seasons of joy or hope, 
Think of some, someone buying a new home. You save up and you buy a new home and you're excited. This is where your family will grow up. You have dreams, hopes, and aspirations. Yet in dark times where money is tight, that our perspective changes. Our home, which once was a blessing, becomes a curse. How do I continue to pay for this? Is the maintenance and upkeep and all the work that is needed actually worth it all? You see, darkness changes our perspective. Darkness, darkness also turns us inward. For many of us, this has been a tough year financially. We have less resources than we once did. And when the times that we have more resources, it's almost like we can give more gifts and celebrate and, and joyously give to others. Yet when money is tight and times are tough, seasons like Christmas become a burden. We worry about, do we even have enough to get by rather than thinking about how we can bless others? Finally, and we see this all through COVID-19, darkness leads us to despair. It leads to higher rates with worry, depression, anxiety. We hear more and more stories of self-harm and suicide. For us in Toronto, for the Israelites at this time, being pressed by King Raisin and King Pekka, those were dark times. Eight years ago, I had just moved back from East Asia. And I, I'd lived there for eight years, and I was about to get married, and my wife and I were really excited about that. And when I came home, I couldn't articulate it at the time, but something, something was really wrong with me. I would have days where I just couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't even just drag myself to do much. I felt like a bag of rocks. I just, it took me hours sometimes to get out of bed. There's days where my emotions would just well up and I would just be in tears and I wouldn't understand why. I remember one time even going into my closet and just crying and thinking, what is happening to me? I mean, I think of myself as someone who's pretty optimistic, someone who's pretty happy and excited about life, someone who's pretty motivated, and I, it's hard to picture myself just struggling in this fashion. Yet five weeks into marriage, I remember driving home one day in the car from a work event and all of a sudden grabbing at my seatbelt and gasping for air. I, I didn't know what that was. And, and later on that night, I woke up at three in the morning and I was just gasping for air, trying to breathe heavily as my wife sat beside me in the bed for an hour and a half, of which we realized pretty soon that this was a panic attack. I realized, I didn't even realize what was going on, but by God's grace, uh, through a leave of absence from my employer for three months, from having doctors and counselors with the blessing of medication, with having a giant community of faith gather around me. I, I just went and got some help from those around me, people praying for me, doctors journeying with me, and, and others walking alongside me. Yet those days were really dark. Those first two months of kind of what I would call a burnout I, I didn't even leave my house pretty much. I would, I would just get up in the morning, uh, stumble to my couch, and maybe read my Bible for an hour and a half. And I just put it down and then just lie there for an hour or two while my energy kind of came back to me. Then I knew my doctor said exercise is really important this season. So I'd get on the exercise bike, do that, and then I would spend another hour or two on the couch just recovering. I could barely function, and I can't even imagine my wife five weeks into marriage having to cope with this. My family and friends, they just didn't know 
what to do. Yet I'm thankful for all those around me who just kind of were there, stayed with me, and prayed. By the third month, I remember this one trip. I went to the grocery store, and it was the most overwhelming experience. I felt, I couldn't explain it any other way than saying I felt like a 95-year-old man holding a cane. I couldn't handle the lights. I couldn't handle the sound. I clung to my wife's arm and walked slowly, slowly through the grocery store. It was one of the most overwhelming experiences. And for anyone who's gone through something like that before, when you're in that kind of darkness, you're wondering to yourself, oh, I used to be this person that could do so much. I used to love doing this. I used to interact with this person, but now I'm so overwhelmed I can barely function. I can't even like operate like a normal person. Like, God, what is happening to me? What is going on? How long will this last? And I think the question that plagued me the most, will I ever be or return to that person who I once was? God used that moment in my life as a long road of recovery. He pivoted me from my work to seminary uh, and kind of just opened up different doors to where I am. And it was probably with doctors, counselors, and everyone else in my life, probably a five-year journey. And something I still just am weary about even today at times. know for many of us we've seen others we know others and ourselves have maybe gone through things that are similar darkness in our own life whether that's mental health struggles whether that's the loss of a child or a spouse divorce family trauma sexual abuse whether that's sickness or illness or just the death of a dream, a job, loss, or tr any sort of change in our life. And here's the thing, we can't compare these with one another because we each have our own story and our stories are valued by God. I can only speak to my own life, but as I look back at those, I, those five dark years of my life, the really dark six months and then kind of just a slow road to recovery. I would never choose to go through that again. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yet I wouldn't trade in that experience because the light of Christ shines through brightest in the darkest of times. People may ask, oh, yeah, you seem like you're back to normal, you're full health. That might, I, I really don't know. I do feel more frail than I did before. I'm more cautious. I feel more humble. I think I better understand my strengths and my limitations. I understand better how God has designed me and what my calling is. And I think from that, there's a greater compassion and care I have for others going through the same thing. In our small group recently, we were sharing our testimonies with one another. And someone had mentioned, there, people were talking about some of the hardest times that they had gone through, and someone said, but isn't it amazing how Christ shows up so brightly in those darkest of times? And to that I can say, amen, only by his grace. So as Israel sits on the brink of destruction, as we sit in this dark season of Advent as it's, it's an Advent like no other Advent we have ever experienced. 
Let us be encouraged by the words in Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, which is exactly the words of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, a people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. These were the words spoken as Jesus began his ministry on earth. For in verse 17 it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I don't understand God's timings, but 750 years later, the promised Messiah came. Jesus, born of a woman, fully God, fully man, here on this earth. And this is the beginning of Christ's ministry, this in-breaking kingdom that is the hope of the world. I'm so thankful that we'll be spending time in Scripture over the next four weeks because this is such a great opportunity in this Advent season to continue to prepare our hearts and listen to God and look to Christ, our light in the darkness. So how can we prepare in this season? How do we apply this? There's maybe three thoughts for you. The first is that God's view of time is so different from our view of time. You know, to the Israelites, they thought that the Messiah, the the hope, the fulfillment of this prophecy, hopefully it would have happened right away. But God had different plans. And quite frankly, when I'm going through suffering and difficulty in my own life, I can't even imagine, like, God, why would you keep allowing this to happen? Yet God is sovereign. God is overall. And his timing makes no sense to me, but he knows exactly what he is doing because at the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, to come to this earth, die on the cross so that whoever would believe in him would have an abundant and eternal life. Amen? God's view of time is so different because he is over time. Secondly, God does not waste anything. It's really thankful for Bram's testimony and whether and he said whether God uses our trials for shaping or molding us or for his purpose uh, or for his purpose or correction and alignment to God's holiness when we surrender those to God and we come before him he will use whatever is before us for his glory. And that sounds terrible and it sounds like how could God redeem some of the terrible things that have happened to me in my life. But think about it this way. And I've seen this even happening in the midst of COVID-19 amongst people here at first. Those who have experienced the death of a spouse are the people who are best equipped to minister to those who lose a loved one. Those who struggle with mental illness or are journeyed close with people who have are sometimes the best resources of journeying and serving others in this time. Those who have experienced domestic abuse, those who have almost died, have gone through grave illnesses, are people who can speak words from deep compassion and understanding to those who are experiencing suffering and difficulty. I would not want anyone to go through suffering. Yet when Christ gets a hold of our suffering, 
he uses it to bless others and call more into his kingdom. God does not waste the pain of our life when we submit to him. Finally, Christ shines brightly in the darkness. Whether it's because it's of the sin in our own life or just the brokenness of this world, when we are in that darkness, when we go through those dark times, Christ shines ever so brightly. I think it's almost easy to take him for granted in the day-to-day. Yet in those dark times, there's a richness that comes with knowing and following Jesus. So my blessing for you this Advent season is may you fix your eyes on Christ. May you spend time with him in his word, in community, being known and knowing others. And may you intentionally prepare your heart as you continue to fix your eyes upon him. Let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, we know there are many who are struggling, who are struggling even to see you in the midst of this darkness. Lord, give us eyes to see others in this who are struggling and to journey with them. Yet, Holy Spirit, come. May our eyes be fixed upon you, the only hope for this world, our only joy in suffering. And may our eyes look upon you and may your peace be upon us. And may you guide us as we continue to follow you uh, in this difficult season, praising and glorifying your name and proclaiming the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead and he is here. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.